Hey everyone, Whitney here with a quick message from the sponsor of this video, Green Mountain Services. Join us for the 6th Annual Cerebral Palsy Conference on October 1st and 2nd, 2021. This is a virtual event that can be attended by the comfort of your own home. There will be two days of networking, sessions, and high-quality award-winning speakers. Registration is free. Go to cerebralpalsyconference.org for more information. Providing Cerebral Palsy Advocates an event for networking and education. Hope to see you there. Hey guys, this is Whitney and welcome back to an episode of Spastic Chatter. Spastic Chatter is a platform meant to feature those in the Cerebral Palsy community and I get together weekly with individuals with CP like myself to have an uncensored chat, if you will, about what it's like living with this type of disability. And for this week, I have Cody, and he is, and I just from his Instagram bio, because you know I took to Instagram, guys, that's one of the things that, that's one of my go-to places to find people. His Instagram bio says that he's a, para, a Paralympian, and he just wrote a children's book. So we are going to dive all into the story of Cody, and I'll let him introduce himself before we get into the topic. So take it away, Cody. <laughs> Thanks, Whitney. Yeah, um, Instagram's fun. Um, yeah, so I was a 2016 U.S. Paralympian, Team USA. Um, I got to throw the javelin, and I still do. Missed out on Tokyo, and I just wrote a book called Henry Makes It on Top. Um, I could talk for hours on that, but Whitney, do you have any kind of direction you want to go with the uh, the conversation? Well, um, you brought up a you brought up a good point before this is that um, your cerebral palsy is not like as prominent as as um, like it's not as severe. So the the one one question that I always ask it t- it tends to be my question that I lead off of is. Um, can you like describe your childhood growing with CP? Was it? Was it, I when I get asked that question, I'm like, it was just a normal childhood. But um, people always have different answers. So, was your childhood yeah. any different growing up with CP? Um, uh, no. So for me, my CP is left hemiplegic. It affects my left side, but I'm on the more mild, um, more mild end. I wasn't diagnosed till I was about a year old. Um, and then after that, that's when, um, my parents just put me in physical therapy. Um, and that, that was the only, I guess, different thing is I had to go to the, you know, occupational therapist, physical therapist a couple times a week till I was about seven or eight. But I, I, I enjoyed that. It got me used to talking with adults and being exposed to a lot of people and, and interacting. I got to play too. As a kid, you always like playing and, uh, it helped me play baseball growing up. I, I, I learned how to play baseball one-handed. Uh, you might read other people's cerebral palsy, your amputees learning how to play baseball. And um, I, I did that. did that about, I would say, what, like 20 years ago is when I learned how to play baseball one-handed, which is kind of fun. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a story, I, have a, I have a story for, you, for this. I, 
Okay, so I, uh, my, my family was very, like, uh, sport, like, we're very sports-oriented. So I have three yeah. other siblings, and then I have a twin. So I was always, like, the designated, like, bat girl go- growing up. Like, yeah. I'm going to play softball and baseball. But for, t- for T-ball and um, a little bit for, for T-ball, I play. I was able to play with everyone because they would put, I would hit the T and then they push me around the bases. But there is, but I kind of have a, like, a similarity to use because um, for coach pitch, I could, I could, I could swing the bat one-handed with my good hand and, and, um, it's, this is funny, instead of uh, using a metal, like a, a metal bat, like an aluminum bat, they, yeah. every once in a while, they let me break out the wolf of wall. And, no, and that's the only that's the only path that I could that, that I can lift. So yeah. they would break out like yeah. whenever like whenever like at the at the end of the game or whatever like they'd break out the wolf of all and the and the pat and, and let me like hit it and run around run around the bases. So that, that was that was a that was a good memory for my childhood to made me think of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are you still a fan of baseball? Are you a baseball fan? Um, like I don't, I yeah, don't like, your- I, don't, I don't like what before you before you ask. Like I don't watch, I don't watch any, like I don't watch any baseball. But like I, like, I don't watch it on TV or anything. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's in the Olympics this year. You should watch the Olympics. One softball is? did pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. The Olympics. Awesome. We need a Paralympic baseball team, though. We need we need yeah, Paralympic baseball, softball. I think that I think that, I, I think that's one sport that people don't realize they that like it it is it is there it, there are, there are like adaptive leagues out there, like yeah. they like yeah. I have trouble finding adaptive leagues that I fit into because. Um, like I mentioned, my cerebral palsy is, is minimal. So I competed in, well, I don't know the proper PC term, but like, like I was with everyone else, uh, gr- growing up in like the regular quote unquote, uh, I hate using that word, but leagues, you know, and then I made my high school team. So I wasn't on any, I didn't know there was adaptive leagues or sports until I was 17 years old. I knew of the challenger division which that's what it's called in my hometown. And, and that was for people that, that uh, it was awesome league, but, but it wasn't for me. It was more of a, you know, come and enjoy and we're all just going to yeah. uh, be together, you know, and, and, and uh, have a good time. Whereas I wanted to compete, you know, yeah. even with, uh, with a disability. And um, so I, I had trouble finding a place where I fit in and it's like, I'm disabled. So I'm still not fully able-bodied, but I'm like, like not as disabled for some of these organizations and groups, I guess. Yeah. And uh, until I found out about the Paralympics when I was 17 years old um, that uh, I found my place, my home, and it was random how I found it. So in high school, I don't know how much about my story, you know, Whitney, I, and, and feel free to stop me if I'm going to talk too long. But um, so, you know, I did my whole baseball one hand glove flip stuff. Really cool. You can find it on YouTube. 
uh, as a baseball player that offers inspiration by the LA Times. So that YouTube article or the YouTube video and article associated with it was randomly discovered by the head coach of the Paralympic track and field team for the U.S., Kathy Sellers. And she reached out to my coach and told me about the Paralympics. If it wasn't for her, um, I would never have found like my spot in competitive adaptive sports, you know, elite level stuff. And then that's when I started throwing the javelin in college because um, it was my senior year of high school. The next year I went to, you know, Cal Luther in a private school in my area and um, was allowed onto the team, not knowing if I'd score any points for NCAA, not knowing anything. Cause again, like I'm, it's a unique situation, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, Eventually broke the American record a couple of times, got on the national team in 2015, went to world championships. And then 2016, a long story. And if you want to hear it, I could tell it, but I eventually got to go to Rio. So um, that, that's kind of my adaptive sports journey started randomly. And the point of all this story I, I want to kind of get, at, I'm glad you have this platform, is that it shouldn't be random. You know, if people want, what was that? I was agreeing with you. It should not be random. Yeah, it should be every doctor's office, every whatever, a list of all the different adaptive sports. Um, there are, like, there's organizations all over, and they just need awareness. And then there's the Paralympics, which is worldwide, you yeah. know? But there's still people in this country who have no idea what it is. And it's like, it's the second largest sporting event in the world. It's it's amazing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They they associate they, like I'm like no shade. I I I am not not PC. I'm not like I'm not PC when yeah. I like they 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 associate the Paralympics with the Special Olympics, and that is two mm-hmm. two different like two separate things. Different things. Like um yeah so, yeah um so hearing about your story uh did so. Correct me if I'm wrong. You started throwing the javelin like with able in the able body, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I was on my college team, and for the first year, I didn't score any points because in the Paralympics, there's a chance you're throwing a different weight if we're track and field for the field events for throwing. Um, then the NCAA, like the men and women's standards. So the first season I was throwing the women's weight because that's what you, I thought I was going to throw in the Paralympics. Mm-hmm. Because there's different classifications, right? So just because you have cerebral palsy doesn't mean you're competing against everyone else with cerebral palsy. Um, it's based on how affected you are. And mm-hmm. I wasn't classified yet. And I thought I'd be a 37, which is like mid-range, um, 38 is only like one limb affected with CP or something. And I have two, I have half my body. I was a definition of a 37. So I'd be throwing the 600. Uh, Turns out they classed me as higher functioning as a 38. So then I had to switch over to the heavier, bigger uh, men's 800 javelin. And once I did that, I was able to attempt to score points against my able body counterparts at college. I think I only did that once, but still, it was great practice, and everyone I competed yeah. against in college was amazing. So that's awesome. There, can you um, can you like walk walk me through the process 
of like the Paralympics. So, so you, you, so the lady like reached out to you, and so you, you participated on um in the in your college. How did that? How did that translate to the to the para, to the Paralympics? Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, excellent question. Excellent question. So. Um, for track, it's all sports specific, I guess, because the Paralympics house houses a lot of sports. But for track and field, um, if you make certain standards, you get invited to certain teams, essentially. And um, so the track meets have to be approved and meet certain standards. And so I got my college track meets uh, approved so that my throws counted. Um, and so I'd throw at the meets that counted. And there was other ones, too, that were already pre-approved. And then if I hit a certain standard, I'd be invited to certain things. Like my first standard I hit, I was allowed to go to the, the Olympic Training Center for like a training camp to work with those coaches. And then um, there's National B Team Standard, which you get paid a little bit less than National Team A, but you're still like top of the top. Um, and national team A standard is top three in the world based on previous marks. So if you hit that, you're doing pretty good. And, um, yeah, so those are all kind of the standards. And then to make certain big meets like for world championships or for the Paralympics, you know, Tokyo's happening a little bit and then uh, Rio in 2016, you have trials just like there's the Olympic trials that are pretty popular you have Paralympic trials. And so um, it's one meet to decide if you make the team or not. If you throw it far and you do well based on your standard, then you have a good chance of making the team. But if you don't, then you don't. Now, to clarify even further real quick, so because there's so many different classifications in track and field and so many different events, it's not like the Olympic trials where the top two or three men and women each get to go for each event. We would have way too many athletes. We're not allocated that many spots. What happens is we have, remember, the A standard. Um, so say I throw the A standard, that's 100% of the A standard. That is, that is really good. But say I only throw 90% of the standard, that means anyone else in any other events, all the other men, I'm essentially competing against all the runners, all the jumpers from all different classifications. Depending on how they do on their standard, that's who makes the team. So it's percentage of a standard who makes the team. And so the people going now are top three in the world for sure that for going for the track and field team. Okay. Hopefully that made sense. I didn't just... It made sense. I was, about, I was about to ask how many... Uh how many people like you competed against, but you, you kind of answered, you kind of answered that. So, um, so I'm the only F 38 javelin thrower. I'm one of the few actually ambulatory javelin throwers for the U S there's about a good competitive group around the world of about 10 to 12 of us, but the U S uh, hopefully more people won't throw the javelin here in your podcast. So that's that's it's awesome. not a popular sport, but it's so much fun. It's a giant spear. Yeah. If I clarify earlier, it's a giant spear. You get to you get to just launch it. There's ambulance. I'm gonna, I'm, okay, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna. No, when you think when I think of a chaplain, and I, I might sound really dumb right now, but I kind of think of 
Matilda. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's what a lot of people know it from, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I throw what they do in Matilda. <laughs> it's funny. So, do you want to talk about, like, your Rio experience really fast? Yeah, so Rio, that making the team was a crazy experience. So I mentioned tryouts, right? We had trials in 2016 in North Carolina, and I'm ranked top 10 in the world, you know, best in the U.S., whatnot, but, like, you have to bring it at, at trials. And I didn't fully bring it. I only hit 90 to 92% of standard, which, you know, in a test, that's an A, but to make the team – you have to be closer to 96 or above. Um, and 96 isn't even a guarantee. So, like, nothing's guaranteed. So, 92%, I was, like, really nervous. And I was like, there's a small chance I'm on the bubble. And uh, it turns out when they named the team a couple of days later, my name wasn't mentioned. So, I didn't make it. I didn't make the, the team. Um, and so, for a couple of months, I was healing from an injury. I bleached my hair yellow. If you find pictures of me in Rio, it looks yellow. And you might be like, Cody, how did you get to go to Rio? You just said you didn't make the team. This is a crazy part. So um, 10 days before uh, opening ceremony, stuff like that, about two weeks before, I don't know the exact days. But anyway, I get a phone call from the same coach, Coach Kathy, uh, that told me about the Javelin. She was still the director at the time. And she said, Cody, Russia screwed up the doping scandal, uh, gave us seven more track and field spots. Do you want to be one of seven athletes added to the team? Your plane's going to leave in 10 days. This was my senior year of college. I was just about ready to start. I had to email all my professors real quick saying, sorry, I'm missing a couple of weeks of school <laughs> to do this class. It was great. It was a whirlwind because, you know, the other athletes, they had months to prepare and to celebrate. I had 10 yeah. days until I went to athlete processing. So a little bit of insight that maybe not a lot of people know is that before athletes go to the games, they spend about a day or two and, and like a, a different hotel or whatnot in the States to get all their gear and stuff ready to go, uh, to get all the media stuff like checked off the list. So I went to Houston for a day and, um, it, it, it hit me. I'm like, man, this is a big deal when we had a police escort to the airport. And I think maybe even from the airport, I'm not sure. Like I got picked up. It was, it was crazy. It was like, what's going on? And uh, that's the, there, that's when we got like all the Nike stuff, uh, Ralph Lauren. I got a really cool watch. Like the, it was so much stuff. And, and I say this humbly, like I'm not like prideful, like <laughs> I'm grateful. There's so much stuff that they literally tell you just to pack toiletries and socks and underwear essentially for your games experience because you're going to get so much stuff. And then they even have a spot for you to send a package home uh, because you, you don't need everything in the village. And so then I get to go uh, to Rio after that. Um, and it was incredible. Okay. Um, I was still like on that adrenaline high of making the team. Um, I, I recognize it was a blessing, right? Everything worked out for for a reason God has a plan and I'm supposed to be there, I guess. And uh, opening ceremony, it was incredible. Did, have you get, gotten to watch any opening ceremonies uh, of the Olympics? Yeah. Um, normally I'm on the couch eating potato chips, watching our flag 
walk across the stadium. I was behind it. Like I was behind the flag. I wasn't holding it, but like, yeah, I was close to the front. I'd purposely tried getting close to the front and uh, you can see me if, if you like um, search up the search up the thing. It's a long event, but you wait for the U S you can see my blonde hair a couple of times on screen. My parents saw it on TV. I was like, this is incredible. I was crying like half the time. It was so fun competing. Awesome group of guys. I got to compete against. Uh, the village, incredible to see the whole world in like one area. Like I know it's not the whole world, but pretty much the whole world. And um, yeah, my, the coolest thing to mix like my real life with my real life was I still had college homework and yeah, I still had to do homework. Right. And there were a lot of other athletes there that still do homework or do stuff for their jobs. And part of my homework, I had a global ethics class and that class was talking about, um, a lot of it was talking about like, um, like refugees and stuff like that. And what's crazy is that there were some athletes from some of the countries that I was talking, like learning about. And that just stuck with me. I was like, no way. Like, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, Afterward, you know, all Team USA was invited to the White House, and at the time it was uh, uh, Obama and then VP Biden. So I got to meet them, which is really cool. Um, Very cool. I bet I'm going, I just, just, uh, you, you said so much, but like going to. I'm sorry. No, you're, you're fine. It was like, you have like an awesome story, but I bet, I bet you are so grateful for that, for that coach that reached out to you and told you yes. about it. grateful Kathy Sellers has changed so many lives my baseball coach all of my coaches have and and we've mentioned it earlier maybe this is like the main theme of of adaptive sports shouldn't be random for any with a disability that wants to compete it should be known in every household that is an option just like Kids know that there's Little League, there's soccer. It should be known that there's adaptive sports. Like going back, go, like touching on that, like when I was when I was growing up, like we kind of mentioned like the Special Olympics and like things like that. But um, and again, this it's not. This is my opinion. It's not. This is not everybody's uh, opinion. Um, you see, like these viral videos going around of like people of like kids with disabilities like playing sports and like that should not like that shouldn't that shouldn't be as as like you know as like I'm not, I like call like inspiration for that should not it shouldn't be as as yeah. like I don't no, know No it shouldn't be it shouldn't be it. rare. Sorry what was that Winnie? I don't know the I don't know how to put it without yeah. being off offensive but but like that should not be, like they're just they, that should be no that should be normal. Normalized, yeah. It shouldn't be rare. It shouldn't be rare. And I think, yeah, yeah. No, I I struggle with that whole inspiration thing, to be honest. And and I think everyone has different opinions because I do catch that people are like, oh, they're so inspirational, and I'm like, uh, how are they? Like, I I'm- they're just living their life, right? <laughs> I've heard story, some of my teammates, um, they're like, uh, yeah, I was just, 
you know, using my wheelchair in the grocery store and people are like, oh, you're so inspirational. They're like, I'm buying a can of soup. Like, what me? And like, stop it, stop it. Um, but yeah, for, for me though, the, the reason why I say I'm torn is because I think anyone like alive, like disabled or not, I think we should use our our gifts or our life to somehow inspire other people. Like, I think we should all able-bodied, disabled, whatever the terms you use. Uh, I think we're all supposed to encourage and inspire other people. So it's like, I'm going to live my life. Don't, don't treat me as just a source of inspiration, but I also feel like I'm called to inspire people because I think we're supposed to. Does that make any sense? I, I totally feel the same way. What I, what I like to say is, don't tell me, like, like it's cool if I inspire you, but what does that, what does that inspiration do? I'd rather, I'd rather you say that I motivated you to do so and so, than to say that I, to say that I inspire you. Like, follow, follow that inspiration with, with action. Like, like don't, so like don't just don't, don't like saying you saying that I inspired you. Those are just words. Yeah. That's good. And sometimes when you follow up with that question, it's a little cringeworthy. You can be like, oh, what what inspired you? And then if they're like, oh, the fact that like your life seems so hard, but yet you smile. And then I'm like, wait a second. What do you mean my life is hard or horrible? It's like, I love my body. I love my life. What are you doing making me feel worse about my life if you keep trying? So some people like think people with disabilities have horrible lives and it's like <laughs> oh we could live awesome lives you know yeah one 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 uh statement that that bugs the crap out of me and like i get it i get it often because my cerebral is like more severe yeah. um it's on the more severe side but i'm totally independent like i do everything on my own and people people like they'll come up like in conversation like we'll just be talking and then all of a sudden they say, Winnie, I don't know how you live like, I don't know how you live like that. Like, I don't know how you like, you live like this. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know any different. This is, this is, this is my, this is my normal. Like, yeah. I, don't know you, I don't know. You're, you're like, do you want to show, you want me to show you how I brush my teeth, how I put on my pants? <laughs> like, what do you? Yeah. You're like, it's, it's, everything just seems so hard for you. And I'm like, well, I don't know. This isn't like, <laughs> I don't know how to, how to answer yeah. that. Like, I don't, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's my life. I love it. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Normal life challenges, just like everyone does, you know? Yeah. So, um, what, one other, like one other uh, huge thing uh, that I want to talk about is, is, kind of getting away from the Paralympian uh, part of you. You just wrote a children's book, so do you want to talk about that? Thank you. Yeah, it's called Henry Makes It On Top. And look, he's got a wheelchair. So um, I didn't define what disability he has. That way, you know, people can use their imagination. But so it's, it's, a, it's a fun, silly, but um, like – a correct way of teaching kids about disabilities and I'm biased because I wrote it, but um, so it's a fun silly way. Henry has a disability, 
has to find a way to join his class on a mountain. Uh, they went on a field trip, field trip to meet the magical Mr. Goat. He was late because he slept in, because I think we all do. And uh, so he finds fun, silly ways to try to get up the mountain. Like, like I think you see, like he tries like a ramp <laughs> and <laughs> balloons. And so it's a kids love it. Um, and uh, it's available on Amazon if you want. And ten percent or, or a small portion, whatever. Um, I haven't fully decided. I might do more. Um, goes to Angel City Sports, which is an adaptive sports clinic that um, uh, is local and that helps me out and helps a lot of kids and adults uh, with CP and other disabilities learn about adaptive sports. So it's really cool to support. So the story behind this, if you, if you want to hear how I wrote it. So I was at the Olympic Training Center last year when COVID hit. And you were telling me um, before, you know, we, we started um, – the uh, the podcast that that you started this during COVID, right? You started your podcast during COVID, right? So there are some good things to come out of COVID. Yeah. This book is one of them. So of that COVID, when the Olympic Training Center basically got shut down, I was there. I was told to quarantine. I was exposed. Uh, it, I I didn't end up getting it. Um, and then at the gym, nothing was available. Basically, food was being brought to me, and that was it. So I was watching a ton of Netflix. Okay, a ton. Too much. I don't know if you've ever been there when you get through a season a day oh, and you're like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> that yes. was me. Okay, totally relatable, hopefully, to a lot of people. And I decided to do something productive. And five hours one day, I wrote a book. It's not long. It's like 24 pages, but it's it rhymes and it's purposeful and, and what it is. And um, that's when I wrote it. It took me a little bit to find the illustrator. And then when I... I went back home and, and um, I found uh, an illustrator at, at a church I help out with. Um, he was in the high school group. He is um, autistic and uh, deaf. And um, his talent for illustration is incredible. He was showing me some of his, his class artwork projects for, for a kid's book. And I was like, dude, you're my guy. Do you yeah. want to be paid like, for a thing? So I paid him. He did it. And uh it's it's awesome it's a cool like um uh, just community so it's a book about disabilities written and illustrated by people with disabilities that's cool yeah so um i'm hoping similar to what your podcast is doing is that this uh provides a little bit more i guess awareness representation yeah. and is a resource for people that don't have a disability you know so they can learn and picture because the, the mountain is it obvious metaphor that you could use as a talking point for kids and that adults will get right away you know mountain as an obstacle um because we were mentioning earlier that yeah we're disabled but we live normal lives but there are also obstacles and challenges that people with disabilities tend to face you know and uh so the mountain is a easy symbol for that so a lot of um what is it? Is it metaphors? Is that the right word? Simile? I don't know. It's a good book. It's a good book. And you guys should get up. Yeah. I like how it's uh how it's very it's very authentic. Like it's, it's written by someone with a disability, the illustrations from somebody who's somebody with dis uh, disability. So like it's very so have you is that what you you said that you uh before this that you um who are also a motivational speaker, is that one of your is your book like one of your main like talking like talking points when you do motiva motivational speaking and 
of course your Paralympian and all that like so I recent so the book just came out a couple of months ago even so like I said I was was trying to find an illustrator for a long time and then once I did it took a little bit so it came out a couple months ago and I haven't had too many speaking engagements since because you know people are starting just now starting out so I have to like update my talk which I'm excited about because this is just another resource typically it was just my life story that I could hopefully share life lessons to other people with saying, Hey, I'm not perfect, but here's what I found through my life. Let it be an example. Um, I typically um, talk about the sports and all that fun stuff. Cause it's, it's um, like everyone's story is unique. You know, my other teammates, their story is different than mine. I was hearing some of them and like they like had trouble in high school. I enjoyed high, all, all, all sorts of other stuff. And so we're all different. Yeah, yeah. And so I love sharing unique stories to impact the stories of kids. But now I wrote a story. So yeah. hopefully it, will. it will be updated. It will. Yeah. I'll, updated. Put the, I'll, put the, I'll put the link for your book in the description so people can, people can check it out. Uh, um, Appreciate that. So, uh, every episode at the end of at the, at the end of every episode, at the end of every episode, getting tongue-tied, I always ask my guests if they have any advice for others that are like going through similar situations as themselves. So, Cody, do you have any advice for people who might be watching this? Yeah, so I'm going to give you my talk in like 20 seconds. This is why I tell the kids and the adults love it too. Here are the, my, my three keys to success. You know there are others, but um, it's trust your team. Uh, sometimes when life is hard, we feel alone and we fail to recognize we do have a team. There's so many people out there that do care about you. Uh, the second thing is um, in order to succeed, you have to define the win, meaning you have to write down what your goal is. I wrote down Rio. I told my friends and for three years every day I was doing something to get better. Um, I'm not perfect. You know, there were some days I, I missed, but typically that, that's what you do. You write down your goal. And my, the third and my favorite and, um, um, and you might say something similar in your talk, Whitney. I'm not sure. I would love to hear it sometime, uh, your motivational speaking. But my third one that I love and the kids love is you live like you can't. You have to. Because uh, I tell like sometimes our brains are our worst enemies. And uh, we need to help turn our brains into our best friend. Meaning, you know, we all think thoughts, regardless of physical or mental ability. We all think thoughts of like, other people are stronger than me, prettier, more popular, richer, whatever, you know, they're doing better in school. They're doing better at my job. And so, um, we have to start like changing the question, meaning we have to ask instead of what if things could go wrong, we ask what if things could go right? You know, it's the same question. Exactly. One answer is a lot more fun to imagine, <laughs> you know? One leads to despair that what if everything goes wrong? That leads to more worry. But what if everything goes right? It's still a valid question. And uh, it's a fun one to imagine. You don't have to fully answer the question, but it just puts you in a better headspace when you frame life that way. Thank, hopefully I didn't talk too long on that. But No, you did not. That, that, was, that was perfect. Um, where, can, where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, um, Cody Michael USA on Instagram and Facebook, mainly Instagram. Um, and then I have a website uh, with all of my other info, CodyMichaelJones.com. 
that's where you can learn about my public speaking and and I gotta hook up the book to the website, but but yeah, the book is on Amazon. I'll put all of, all of that in the description below. And thank you, Cody, for agreeing to be on the episode of Scratching Chatter. I really enjoyed talking with you. And if you're watching this and you want to be on an episode, just reach out to me wherever you see this video. Comment. There's a form in the description if you want to. Be formal and, for and fill it out. <laughs> and uh, uh, check back next week for another episode. Thanks. Yes. Bye.